You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your hosts, Chris Jennings and Dr. Mike Brazier. Today I'm joined with my co-host, Dr. Mike Brazier, um, and we're going to talk about something that you know, is very, very common this time of year. We're talking about nesting habitat. We're talking about the prairies. We're talking about, you know, breeding waterfowl um, all across North America. And what we want to focus on today, and my question for Mike is really, what do our listeners need to know about this nesting process as waterfowl continue to arrive on the prairies um, upon their arrival what are they facing and what are they doing as far as this nesting process? Mike, can you kind of explain a little bit of that? I can do my best. And I I think the place to start is, again, to frame this conversation up in terms of an understanding of the annual cycle of waterfowl, what they're doing uh, at different times of the year, as you kind of alluded to. And so to kind of put a timestamp on this, uh, on this conversation, or at least the, the, the nature of this conversation here, birds are going to start arriving back at their northern uh, nesting grounds, you know, as early as early April. And certainly into April, you start to see a lot of birds making their way back to the prairies, to the boreal forest, to Alaska, and then all other parts in between um, in April. That's sort of the time of the year when the big flush is, is occurring uh, northward. And just going back to an earlier conversation we had in a previous episode about mating systems of waterfowl, just re- I want to remind folks that uh, most ducks by this time of the year, you know, the vast majority of ducks by this time of the year have paired up, at least those that are going to breed during a given year. 
the dabbling ducks, mallards, pintails, uh, certainly some of the larger body dabbling ducks, they're going to be paired up even uh, in winter, late fall uh, throughout winter. Uh, there is some variation across species. You got some of the diving ducks that are going to be pairing as they courting and pairing as they migrate northward. Some of the smaller body dabbling ducks, green wing teal, blue wing teal also are going to be courting and pairing up, going through that process as they migrate north. Uh, now, one one species worth mentioning that I don't know how much I talked about it during that mating system conversation is the ruddy duck. That's a little, it's a member of the stiff tail family of ducks, as we call it. And they actually do a lot of their pairing once they get back to the breeding grounds, which is rather unique in North American waterfowl and, and deserves its own, own little separate discussion. But anyway, so this time of the year, these birds that are arriving back north that are going to breed, they're already paired up for the most part. Uh, now, there are, uh, there are some of these birds that are not going to pair, some of the males that will not pair. And we're talking about ducks. Uh, we'll get into that, I think, in a, a little bit later. Uh, but as these birds, these paired up birds are arriving back on the nesting grounds, the first thing that they do is they, they're looking for a place to settle. Settling out is the process that we refer to where birds just find the place on the landscape where they're going to, where they have chosen to nest. And they're looking for various things on the landscape. Uh, and those things that they're looking for, obviously, are their, the, the key components of the habitats that they need to successfully um, to, to successfully nest and then raise raise that brood. So for for ducks, we're talking about wetlands as a very critical component. We've studied that. Uh, we've studied the relationship between duck density and pond densities, wetland abundance, uh, thoroughly through the years. And time and time again, the data tell us that uh, wetland densities are one of the primary determinants of the density of ducks on the landscape. Now, where the wetlands are, it's where you're going to find the ducks. Now, but they also need suitable nesting habitat. A lot of the dabbling ducks are ground nesting ducks, which means they need grassland habitat for, uh, for, for nesting and course, as I'm sure we'll talk about numerous times, uh, grassland on the prairies is something that's not terribly common anymore, uh, at least relative to historical uh, perspectives. Uh, so that's the two things, grass and wetlands are, are what, the, what the birds are looking for. Uh, and so as they move north through the prairies, if there's, if they're prairie nesting ducks, if there's, they're going to settle out where the where they find the, the combination of wetlands and grasslands, a lot of the species are going to continue on north into the boreal forest. The scop, ringnecks, uh, scoters, and a few others of that nature are going to uh, going to make their way to the boreal forest and settle out. So that's kind of the uh, the first box they have to check is where are we going to settle out in this in this vast landscape. Uh, so so that's kind of where we are. The first thing that they're doing. Yeah, you know that's you know you, you're talking about the combination of wetlands and grasslands, uh, but we've talked about in the past and and other even other episodes and lots of things in the magazine that it's really difficult. Like it is very tough out there for a duck to not only you know find a successful nesting site, be or be successful within their nesting site, and then raising the brood. Um, can you kind of explain what all the difficulties that ducks face as they're going through this part of their life cycle? You know, what, what are they dealing with? What are some of the uh, uh, major difficulties? Well, 
I think uh, a, a bit of additional context here is going to be important. These discussions, when we just talk in general about waterfowl, it's incredibly, it's incredibly challenging from my perspective to talk about things in general terms and have them be accurate across the board. It's basically impossible to do that because there's always exceptions, you know. So let's just talk in general terms. Dabbling ducks are ground nesting ducks. Uh, diving ducks. Uh, especially I'll, I'll throw out a couple of examples here. Canvas backs uh, and redheads are the two best examples of this. They actually nest over water. They need wetlands that have a lot of robust vegetation in them, cattails, bulrush, and they will actually build a nest on top of the water. So to kind of understand what are the risks and pressures that ducks face, you kind of have to understand where it is they're nesting. So a lot of the dabbling ducks are going to be ground nesters. Uh, some of your diving ducks are going to be overwater nesters. And then, of course, there's some ducks that are cavity nesters, such as wood ducks. That's probably the best known example across all of North America. But there are also cavity nesting ducks, such as um, golden eyes and buffle heads and, and, uh, maybe one or two others. So, uh, ducks exploit a variety of places, you know, whenever they're, uh, whenever they're nesting their life history traits, as we, <clears throat> as we call it. Uh, so the very fact that a lot of these ducks nest on the ground subjects them to intense predation pressures. And when you think about ground nesting ducks, you've got mammalian predators that are after them, whether it be badgers, fox, coyotes. We even had a previous guest on a podcast talk about uh, the deer coming along and finding a nest and eating their eggs. Uh, if you're talking about overwater nesting ducks, you've got mamma uh, uh, sort of uh, mammalian predators that occupy aquatic environments like mink raccoons they can easily and, and skunks of course is another big one that will get any nest that it can so uh the the very location of their nest makes them vulnerable but the other thing that uh, that makes them uh a, a target of a lot of predators is just the nutritional value of eggs i ate a couple of eggs for breakfast this morning i mean eggs are power packed full of nutrients and protein and i mean it's just any anybody that can can eat an egg wants to eat an egg. So got a couple of things, or a few things working against them there. If we're talking about cavity nesting ducks, snakes, uh, rat snakes, or tree snakes are some uh, are common predators. Especially, you know, if you uh, if you don't do proper uh, kind of predator. If we're talking about wood duck boxes, we we have to talk about predator guards and things of that nature. But snakes are a big or uh, a big predator of those cavity nesting. Uh, ducks. So, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a suite of predators across any landscape, any region where ducks are nesting that are, that are out to get them. So when we, and the reason that we know so much about this is that nesting, nest success is one of the most important determinants of population growth for uh, for waterfowl populations. And basically what that means is when you look across all these different we call them vital rates, but it's, you're talking about things like survival and reproduction, two big categories. Population growth is determined by the number of number of birds that die, uh, and then the number of birds that uh, that are that are added to the population by way of the birth process during any given year. And so within those within that 
process of death, within the process of, of birth, there are different things that contribute to that. And so then on the, on the birth side of things, the reproduction side of things, you've got nest success. You, you, actually, before you even get to that, you've got uh, breeding propensity. And that's basically the proportion of females that even attempt to nest. And so then you also have brood survival. Uh, you have renesting intensity. So there are a number of variables that we've studied through the years that we know influence recruitment, this, this production measure. And the one that in most cases for most species is comes out as being the having the biggest of uh, influence on population growth is uh, nest success. And just to give you an idea of the range of nest success rates that we see for a lot of prairie nesting, uh, ground nesting ducks, we see rates in the, from that, uh, in the very low single digits, one, two percent, all the way up to 20 or 30 percent. On average, you're probably looking around uh, somewhere between 10 to 20 percent average nest success. Uh, so that means on average, 10 to 10 to 20 percent of all the nests that are that are uh, initiated will hatch at least one egg. So, uh, you know, you 90, 80 to 90 percent of all those nests that are laid are going to be totally destroyed. That's uh, that puts things in pers into perspective of just how uh, how difficult it is uh, the struggle that these birds face to, uh, uh, to to produce birds every year. Yeah, I mean, I think every everybody understands the uh, you know the the quality and nutritional value of an egg, and and that's no different in the uh, across the spectrum of of wildlife. Um, let's discuss what that habitat looks like. The ideal. Um, let's kind of focus on the prairies here. Uh, because you've mentioned, you know, that's the nesting and nesting success and all of that. That's something that we have a lot of research on and, and DU does a lot. Our partners do a lot. Uh, but let's talk about kind of what that habitat looks like. What does the ideal nesting habitat look like, uh, say, somewhere in the Canadian prairies or even the U.S. prairies? Um, can you kind of provide a little bit of a description of that for people? Yeah, I'll try not to get too fine with this description because you can pull out each individual species and you can talk about slight differences in where they prefer to nest on the landscape and the different mm -hmm. type of vegetation they prefer to nest in. So we're just going to talk generally here. And again, let's just focus on on the prairie nesting dabbling ducks. And so if we were to take a trip back in time. Uh, 10,000 years ago, we would see this vast landscape, uh, prairie landscape in north central U.S. and in the in central Canada, where you had millions upon millions of acres of unbroken grassland and interspersed with all of this grassland were millions of small pothole wetlands. That's why we call it the prairie pothole region. They, those wetlands vary in size from less than an acre, you know, all the way up to hundreds of acres. And then eventually you get to something even larger and they be, kind of become lakes. But also throughout that landscape, there are a lot of what we call very ephemeral wetlands. Uh, and those are the wetlands that will hold water early in the spring as driven by it. Usually it's snowpack, but if you get an early spring rain, it can uh, put water into these ephemeral wetlands. They're very shallow. They're the first to warm up in the spring. They're the first to produce the invertebrates, uh, but but they don't hold water throughout the uh, very long throughout the 
uh, spring and summer. So there's all these different types of, of wetlands across the landscape. Uh, so I, you know, historically that's what you would have seen, and that would have been ideal: vast expanses of unbroken grassland. And actually, it, we've we've done some research. Uh, some of our own staff and have done some research in a in an earlier part of their life, uh, linking empirically the relation. Uh, linking the importance of the amount of grassland on a landscape to nest success. And basically what they found is that as the percentage of grass increased on some large scale, um, the average nest success rate increased. So we believe that relates somehow to like the, the, the more grass you have on the landscape, the less efficiently a predator can search that uh, that landscape, uh, the more grass you have on the landscape, probably the lower the, the density of your nest is going to be and lower densities are gonna, of nest are going to be harder for predators to, to find. So it's a search effic- efficiency thing for the predators. So um, with that kind of science background on this, yeah, we, we want large unbroken tracts of grassland ideally. Now, those are few and far between nowadays uh, because over the years, we've seen tremendous conversion of that grassland, of that historical grassland to agricultural production. We've also seen significant drainage of those wetlands. So nowadays, you will see uh, you you see ducks nesting in the in ditches. Uh, if there's not these, if if you don't have that abundant grass, a lot of times the only the only grass that's a, that's available, especially in some of the more intensively uh, farmed parts of the prairie, is along the roadside. And so you see a lot of ducks nesting on the roadside. That's not uncommon at all. You also see ducks nesting in the margins of wetlands that are remaining because a lot of times the farmers can't really get in and uh, can't disc all the way up to, can't farm all the way up to the to the wetlands. So you have a narrow rim of, of grass there. And so just naturally, if you think about what I was talking about a minute ago with large blocks of grass, making it, uh, making the predators searching abilities less efficient. If you have less grass on the landscape and if it's concentrated in these roadside ditches or the rim the perimeters of wetlands it's going to be much easier for predators to search those areas i can actually tell you stories about whenever i was doing some of my research on the prairies i had to go out and walk through these fields and i remember looking down uh, through this cultivated field and there was a wetland there and this is as I described, a narrow rim of grass. And what did I see during the middle of the day? But a skunk just kind of patrolling the edge of that grass and, you know, looking for duck nests or, or anything else he can get, uh, he, he can find. So, uh, you know, it's big, big tracts of grass and a lot of wetlands uh, if we're talking about ducks in the prairies, if we want to make it short. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. 
Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. But let's talk about the once the nest once these eggs have hatched and this brood, now here's the importance of that wetland. So you, let's just say, and I know species by species, this varies incredibly, and we're trying to give a 50,000 foot overview, but let's say a mallard nest hatches. Now comes the importance of uh, healthy wetlands um, and, and explain why that, that importance is, you know, these nutrient rich wetlands, what do they provide for this brood? Wetlands, as we go throughout the breeding season, wetlands serve different functions. I talked a few minutes ago about the very shallow ephemeral wetlands that are the first to the first to warm up, the first to, if if they're frozen, uh, if they have snow in them, the, the snow will melt there and it will collect in these shallow basins. Or if they're shallow and they have water in the fall, they'll be the first to uh, to thaw in the spring. And so wetlands upon ducks first arrival on those, on the breeding grounds, their, their primary function is to supplement the nutritional uh, reserves of the females as they get ready to nest. And as they go through nesting, um, we've done a lot of studies about where ducks get the, the nutrients that they mobilize from their body into the eggs. And so that, that's another topic for uh, for a separate episode, but we do know that some of the nutrients they acquire on the breeding grounds go into those eggs. So uh, early, those wetlands are important for for feeding the females, and of course, the females have to maintain that nutrition throughout the breeding season. Uh, and then, as we once the once a, a clutch of eggs hatch, of course, you've got ducklings. You've got, you know, nine or 10 ducklings if a hen is able to hatch all of the eggs that she has laid. And those ducklings within 24 hours, they all hatch within 24 hours of one another. And uh, and then they're usually in the nest bowl for 12 to 24 hours. It's just these little tiny puff balls. And then they immediately make their way to a wetland. And so uh, they, they're able to, ducklings are what we call Precocial ducks, uh, they're, they're young or what we call precocial. Water, uh, geese are as well. All waterfowl are precocial. And that's, again, another topic and what that even means. But basically, it means that th- these little ducklings are able to feed 
themselves. They're able to move and feed themselves immediately upon leaving that nest bowl, which is a direct contrast to a lot of the passerine birds, songbirds that most people in southern parts of the of North America are familiar with. You know, where we see, I actually have some bluebirds out here in our backyard right now, where we see the male and female both coming to this nest box daily, feeding the nestlings that I know are, are in there. Uh, so ducks, waterfowl are different in that they're young are immediately able to go out and, and secure their own food. And the female still has to, what we call brood them, has to kind of keep them warm uh, at night uh, for the first week or so because they're not really able to thermoregulate very well until they get uh, a, a few a few days or weeks under their under their quote wing, so to speak, uh, and so, uh, so yeah, the, the wetlands at that point are primarily important for providing the nutrients for the ducklings. They're also important for providing cover for those ducklings. That's why you need you, you need more than just a big open lake or body of water. You need that wetland to have some vegetation uh, within which <clears throat> within which those ducklings can hide. I can tell you that ducklings are very, very good at hiding in that vegetation um, because just as we talked about how um, how eggs are highly nutritious and everything that can eat them will eat them, the same is true about ducklings. They are just incredible morsels of protein and and everything from largemouth bass to bullfrogs to avian predators, mammalian predators, uh, you name it, a snake, whatever, um, even even great blue herons, other other large birds, uh, gulls, whatever will uh, will uh, eat ducklings. So they have it tough. If they're lucky enough to hatch from an egg, <laughs> then they have to run an entirely different gauntlet, avoiding all these all these other predators. And uh, again, going back to some of my time and doing doing some research, we would try to part of what, what we were doing was trying to get observations on these broods, and that's very difficult to do because, as I said, the ducklings uh, are aware that everything out there is trying to eat them, and so the their mother is trying to kind of keep them close to the to the vegetation and you have to look really long and uh, really intently to try to locate these ducklings when for those brief moments of time so where they come out of that out of that vegetation um it's a pretty neat deal to watch them uh, and watch the way they they behave but uh, but yeah uh, you know as as good a job as they do hiding there's still a lot of a lot of them fall prey to any number of predators. And so we talked about nest success rates. Um, duckling survival rates are typically a bit higher than than what I cited for nest success. But still, you're looking, I think, it's been a while since I've looked at these numbers, but I'm going to try to ballpark it here. You're looking at uh, duckling survival rates somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 50 percent, you know. 30 to 40 seems feels more about what's average but again don't don't necessarily quote me on that that's uh, that's just kind of we're getting in the ballpark there um and again that's going to vary based on location it's going to be based uh, very based on on species and importantly it's going to vary based on the quality of the habitat that those ducklings are, are in uh, so that's that's another part of of the ecology of waterfowl that we've studied a lot and we know a lot about and it too is is incredibly important but you can't be a duckling if you don't first hatch from an egg 
So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it doesn't sound like it's getting any easier, um, <laughs> uh, from the egg to, you know, the nest, it really, that paints a really good picture of how difficult, um, this whole process is and this aspect of, of a duck's annual life cycle. This is, this is, it's a pretty tough time. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, all the mammalian predators and, you know, even the fish and, and snakes, but we haven't even really discussed, uh, you know, there's so many factors along this uh, as far as even weather that can influence uh nest success and and even brood success that um, i'm sure we could have an, a completely uh, another episode just on these different factors that um that influence all of this success but i think i think what you've done here is i think you've painted a really good picture really brought to light some of these difficulties and and some of the importance of the information that Ducks Unlimited provides and our science provides as far as habitat and what's needed to provide habitat as far as nest success. So I think I think that's been great. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining me today. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up, but I'm sure we'll come back to nesting success. We'll probably do multiple episodes on this, uh, you know, throughout this time period. And it really, w- one thing that our listeners can also look to as Mike's discussing what this habitat looks like and what the prairies look like. I've been there. Mike's obviously been there. Um, but Ducks Unlimited has provided a great service and f- as far as um, what we call the virtual prairie experience. And if you visit ducks.org, look up prairie experience, it gives you videos. It takes walks you through this entire landscape, the importance of everything from the grasslands to the wetlands, and really gets into much greater detail than what we've provided here is kind of just an overview. So if our listeners want to get in with that, um, check it out. That's ducks.org slash prairie experience. Um, it's a good time of the year to look at that and, and understand what, what ducks are going through right now and ducklings. And, and as the, the broods continue to grow throughout the spring and into summer. So, uh, Mike, do you have anything else you wanted to add here? Well, I, I would just add the other thing that people can do with respect to getting a feel for what these landscapes look like is go to Google earth. Yeah. It's you know, the, the prairie pothole region is north central U.S., North Dakota, South Dakota, and then on up into the prairie province of Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. And, you know, just, hey, we're all uh, we, we've got time and uh, get, we have resources available to us uh, just in the evenings or whenever. Just pull up Google Earth and just kind of scan around, zoom in, and you'll see those things that I that that I spoke of that being the intensification of agriculture you'll see uh some likely find some of the areas where wetland drainage has been fairly intense you'll see some of that residual vegetation around the perimeter of the wetlands and the roadside ditches you know and you'll begin to get a feel for for actually what this area looks like uh and the same thing with the boreal forest and alaska i've I do that myself. I think it's just fascinating to be able to use that imagery. And if, you, if you're real savvy with it, you can figure out how to use that historical imagery viewer in Google Earth. And you can you know, kind of do the comparisons through time. And uh, that itself tells a pretty interesting story about, about what's happening. Uh, and then you can begin to kind of piece all of this together is how Ducks Unlimited participates in the science and research to help us understand what controls the populations and then we try to apply that to the conservation that we're delivering uh, that we're designing and delivering on the landscape so a lot of resources at uh, at our hands and i encourage folks that you as you said chris to take advantage of those absolutely that's that's fantastic that's a, that's a great resource as well and, and mike again thanks for joining me today um, i'd like to thank our podcast producer clay baird for putting all this together and i'd like to thank the listeners for supporting wetlands conservation 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside.